How to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're vital. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 439, where I sat down with Cheryl Lewis, a stunt performer for movies like I Am Legend, Wonder Woman 1984, Captain America, Civil War, The Gray Man, the list goes on and on. Cheryl's a unique, multidisciplined performer on the stage and screen. She's a stunt performer, martial artist, fight choreographer, action designer, actor, dancer, circus aerialist, and puppeteer. In this interview, we talk about the difference between a stunt performer and a daredevil, how she actually instructs people to get hit by cars, the problem with diversity within stunts and stunt coordinating, and how to break into the industry today. This is a special interview associated with my first documentary, Daredevil Society, a series about the history of stunt performers, including everyone from Buster Keaton to Jackie Chan to Zoe Bell to Keanu Reeves, literally the last 100 years of stunts. You can learn more about that or become an investor at daredevilsociety.com slash docuseries. Link is in the bio. Here's my conversation with Cheryl Lewis. I've always been an athletic, active person. So when I was a kid, I was a gymnast, uh, stunt. I was a gymnast, then um, softball team, swim team, gymnastics, all of that. My parents could not wait until I got my driver's license because <laughs> they were always rushing me off to different events. When I retired from gymnastics, I had to do something. So I became a dancer. Even though I started training late as a dancer, I was that dancer that could tumble. Mm. So then it kind of progressed. I got a live stunt show at Disney World where the audition was, we need someone that can dance, tumble, and act. So when I was a dancer that could tumble, I did a lot of musical theaters, that kind of things. I auditioned for this stunt show, ended up getting it. But also parallel to that, I'm a big math and science and physics person. And my father was a mathematician. So we would watch shows and especially shows with stunts in them. And he would like, we would go over and explain things about like the car and how the car would roll or if the car had to jump, you need it to be X amount of feet from the takeoff point, mm -hmm. but the car had to get up to a certain speed before they hit the ramp. The ramp had to be at a certain angle in order for it to go X distance that it needed to go to jump over five, 10, 20 school buses, whatever it was. So I love that aspect of the physical, uh, matching it with the physics of it. So when I got the live stunt show, then one thing progressed into another. I got a TV show because they called the stage of the show that I was doing in Florida, Disney World. We need someone that can, you know, a female stunt performer who can do five back handsprings in a row. And one of the other stunt performers at the stage took my picture resume over to the set and they end up calling me and I ended up getting it. So that was my first SAG 
stint role and then progress from there. So then you start adding different skill sets, martial arts. I'm a martial artist. I studied Taekwondo, Kung Fu. When I was in, I lived in Japan for over a year as an airless. So when I was over there, I studied Wushu and Kendo. So everything progresses, everything I learned over here kind of helps me over here. And I like that. And one of my biggest things is to learn something that I don't know. Can you go into in some more details about like, so you're kind of studying physics and pre precision. A lot of people think that stunts are like daredevils and risk takers, but how do you kind of see like perceived risk and planning out stunts and some of those things? Yes, a daredevil, we always say someone who does it and hopes for the best. And as a stunt professional, you have to, to look at your stunts and plan it and the physics and the mathematics of it so that you can do it and do it for take one and take 20. So if it's for me, uh, a high fall, if I'm one floor up, a floor is about 10 feet. Or if I'm three floors up, 30 feet, where is that um, landing pad? Where's your crash pad? Is it this close to the building or does it need to be this? Because you're not gonna just fall straight down because of the math and physics, you're gonna have a slight arch. So you need to know and be aware of that the higher up you go, where your landing pad needs to be. So that's how we work out the math and physics of certain stunts. And, and it's the same thing for fights, that transitions, um, everything I learned as a dancer, my foot placement, where my shoulder is going to roll, how I'm going to land, what part of my body am I going to land? I want to land on a, a nice soft part. I don't want to land on my bone or my my joints. So if someone's flipping me over, where's my torque? Where's my turn? How far up? Is it flipping over somebody who's 5'7"? Or is it flipping over a larger guy who's you know 6'4"? How am I going to turn? How I'm going to land? So I like to use the math and physics and all of that when looking at um, the setups of the stunts, whether it's going to be flying over a table or doing a high fall through uh, a glass roof or a car hit. Um, I like to use a lot of start the math and physics, especially with car hits, because that is can be a very dangerous and challenging stunt. So you have to know where your body position is, how you're gonna approach the car, how you're gonna get up on the hood of the car and how you're gonna roll off the car. I, I have a whole, I do a panel where I, for film festivals where I break down the various car hits and I do it through that, that math and physics of it. Have those things gotten safer? I've kind of heard that getting hit by a car or rolling downstairs, you pretty much have to do those things where a lot of things have kind of moved into wire work. What's kind of your thoughts on those two stunts in particular? Well, I think it only helps. Um, I think we're at the process of the technology and the things that we know can service and only help get the stunts better and safer. 
for all involved. So instead of just hurling yourself down the stairs, if you have a wire and a wrap on you, or even if the, the stair is padded and then it's made to look like this, the stairs itself can only help the stunt performer and service the movie to make it look more gnarly and dangerous, but it's done in a safe way so that you can, again, do it for take one and take 20. So the wire, there's a couple of car hits that I've done uh, where I am on a wire and you match it up. One was a hit by a van. So a van has that flat front as opposed to a car where I can roll up on it. The van has a flat front. I can't roll up on it. So I'm on a wire hooked to my back. It has one wrap. And then you get the van driving towards me and then moving off really quickly. And then you have me on a wrench system that's giving me a good yank and a flip. And I land, yes, on the ground. And then you match those two shots together. So mm -hmm. then that's someone getting hit with a van, but it's done in a safe and controlled way. Before we get to your movies, I want to go back to the Disney world a little bit, because it sounds like that would be great practice because in movies where you're maybe doing one shot at a time, if you're doing a performance like that, it's, it's a series of stunts in a row for a, a live audience, I believe. Right. Yes. What and were some of those like themes and was it, was it Disney stories people are familiar with? Was it specialized just for stunts or what was kind of the, the, the storyline of some of those? The show I did was called Tarzan Rocks and it was at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So we were on, we started off dropping in on rollerblades, speed skating around the audience, um, dropping in on some quarter pipes that were in the wings. So you had that. And then I was an aerialist in that as well. So I was on a cloud swing which is about, uh, we were about like, I don't know, about 35 feet up doing the cloud swing, come down, roll a blade, take the blades off, tumbling pass, go up to the box, dance, come back down, tumbling pass, and then Spanish web. So the thing about live shows, which I love, is that it's, it helps train you because you can do between two and four shows in a single day. So you have to be aware and maintain your fitness. You can't be complacent about anything because that's how you get hurt. But that consistency of doing that five days a week keeps that skill level up. And it also helps you when things, you know, evidently can and will go wrong. Um, one time rollerblading, cause we were carrying these flags and I got too low around the curve and the back of the flag got locked into one of my wheels. So now I'm like hopping on one wheel while everybody else is like speeding around me. 
So how do I get out of that situation safely for myself and then for the rest of the cast who are dropping in on the, you know, the quarter pipes around me and speed. So that also helps you with your training to, I guess, um, you know, just navigate certain situations without panicking and you just rely on that instincts and everything else that you've done all those other times in the show of where I can get out safely, how I can get out safely without injuring anybody else. It's that eye contact with your fellow castmates that's zooming around the corner with you. Okay, okay, you're gonna go this way, I'm gonna go that way, and then I'm gonna roll out and get out of your way. So it's it's great training and I think it helps you and the other aspects of your career along the line. It seems like in stunts, you really have to trust your body, what you're capable of. Is there an example from a movie you've worked on where you're doing something that you hadn't done before? And how did you kind of work your way up to doing it? I would say my very first car hit. And when the, the coordinator vetted me, he called around, he asked other people who can do this. And my name came up and then he looked at, he told me later the main reason why he did book me because this is my first one, but the reason why he did book me is because I was a gymnast. I was someone who had training of being in the air, of your body awareness of your positioning in the air, which is very important for a car hit. And this one was a little uh, gnarly because it was a 1960s Cadillac. So those cars are very big, very flat front, that grill, a very long hood, because you want to, you know, hit by the car, roll up, hit the windshield, come off. Those cars are very, very heavy. Again, with the physics, uh, the heavier uh, the car is, <laughs> the bigger the impact is going to be on that individual. So having a 1960s car was a little different than if you have a, you know, a Ford Accord that has that slope. It's a little closer to the ground. You can roll up on it. It's, it's going to be a different kind of car hit. And also for the 1960s Cadillac, they had that hood ornament that is right in the middle of the car that doesn't come off. And if I caught that in any way, that would have been like, you know, a gash in you. So you have to work all the physics out, timing with the speed of the, the, the stunt driver behind the wheel. I'm walking beside the car. I'm getting my steps right, matching the actor's movement, what she's going to do beforehand, how she's going to step out into the road, turn, and then cut. I have to do the same thing, that movement, turn, get hit by the car, hit the windshield on the right on the correct side, which is going to be the passenger side, and then roll off and land. And the coordinator can say to the director, you can put the camera right here to get that shot of her. She's gonna land right there. And working all that out, knowing that math and physics 
it can say, put the camera right here. That is where she's going to land. And it worked out. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> we talked about some cars, some rollerblading, some gymnastics. You studied three or four different types of martial arts. Are you kind of, were you coming up as an all around stunt person? Were you trying to uh, move into martial, like one category? How do you kind of see like longevity in the career? For me, as let's be honest, as a black female, most of my work is going to be doubling. So taking steps back to that process, first you need someone to write that script. Then you need the next step of them actually casting a black female for this part. And then then hopefully then it'll get to me and I can get that job and work as a double. But if no one's writing it, if no one's casting it, then that work is not going to be there for me. So I need to be the most all around that I can be to have these options open. And then sometimes something will come up where um, someone says, oh, do you, you know, ride a motorcycle? Unfortunately, I do not. I can do stunt driving. I can do martial arts. I'm an airless. I can hang in the air. I can, I can do a lot of things. And there's certain things that I, I cannot do. But again, I like to learn anything that I don't know. So I try to study and learn and practice and train in as much things as I possibly can. I also, you know, I rollerblade, gymnastics, martial arts, circus airless, professional dancer, also do fire burns. Again, that's the math and physics of it. And understanding what that is, then I can say, yeah, I'm comfortable doing a fire burn, set me on fire. Um, who are some of the people you double for and which movies might people have seen you? Alfred Woodard and The Gray Man. So that's out on Netflix. I've doubled Ingenue Ellis on The Mentalist, Quantico, Sleepy Hollow, Game of Death. I think there's another one. So a, a, a few, few television and movies for um, Ingenue Ellis. And let's see, what else would someone have seen me in? Wow, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I'll, I'll add like an intro as well. Let's talk a little about The Gray Man. So that's one of the Russo Brothers action-packed movies. What were some of the yes. stunts you were doing in that one? Um, that one I was doubling Alfred. So that was one scene where Ryan Gosling's character kind of like tackles her out of the way of a bomb explosion. So in that, the pieces are getting tackled and knocked over a couch. And then also having the pyro, all the, the effects and explosions going on around you while you're crawling to get to safety. So you have, there was two doubles for Ryan for that. And then you also have a section with Ryan doing it as well. And then the explosion and a lot of, you know, 
it's a big explosion. So it's a lot of debris and things falling and being projected at you for for that one. So that's something also people don't really think about. There might be a a, a one minute James Bond clip where he's doing something and scuba diving and swimming and fight. And it's actually like four or five stunt people doing all these different things to make this one action hero. Yes. There's are a lot of components. There's a lot of things that need to be in place. And there's a lot of scheduling to do. So for that, I know about two weeks it took for that that scene, I believe. And it seems kind of rare. I feel like the Russo brothers have got a green light from doing the giant Avengers movies where they get to make all these great action films, but What's been some of your diff like the difference for you if you've been on a like a low budget action film versus a higher budget? Is there more just really more timing to do the stunts better? How do you kind of see the two differences? The stunt is the stunt. The the risk is going to be the same sometimes at, for the actual stunt. The pep preparation, the ability to do something again is going to differ um, with your budget. So you might have time for a previous fight rehearsal for a bigger action movie that has the time and the budget for those things. A smaller film that they only have X amount of days at the location, you might have to just come up with the fight, you know, an hour before you're going to shoot it. Mm -hmm. So that also goes to having the right stunt people involved that okay, come up with an eight beat. Let's do that. Okay, we're going to do that. Uh, the director loves it. Okay, let's just chop it up in sections. We're going to move over here. You have to act quickly and be skilled with your 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 technique and your craft enough to do it that quickly. Um, tell me a little bit more. You, t you touched on this briefly, and I also spoke with Charlene Royer. She was telling me a little about um, how they kind of go about casting a minority stunt person, but also making sure that person has the skill set. Has th have things changed in the last couple of years? How do you kind of see it as someone in the field? Um, it's a it's a process. I'm always hopeful that things are going in the right direction to get better. But one of my big takeaways is is that. Sometimes the people involved, whether that be casting or the stunt coordinator, are not aware of, of who's out there. Let's be face, of most of the stunt coordinators are white males. Mm -hmm. And that's and they have their circle of other white males. So when it comes time to they have a show and then they have people of color, male, female, that need certain skill sets. They don't know any. And sometimes they think, because they don't know any, that they don't exist. And that's just not true. It doesn't matter who you are or what your ethnic background or race is. Everyone has skill sets. You can find a great stunt driver no matter what color they are but if you don't know any personally sometimes you might think that they don't exist they thought that about 
you know, people of color playing tennis, doing gymnastics, swimming, hockey, even basketball, baseball. And it's just not true. You just need that. We just need that opportunity because there's, there's always someone there with that skill set, mm-hmm. no matter what. But because if you don't know any black pianists, that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Or black ballerinas, that doesn't mean they don't exist. So you have to, people have to see it. But in order to see it, we need those opportunities to be presented to us, to go out and do it. So hopefully it's getting better, but it's still a process. What are some things that you've done in your career to kind of make yourself more visible? I mean, getting roles is obviously one of the best ways, but are you are you shooting reels? Are you making shorts? Are you showing off some of your skills that way? What kind of things can people be doing to, to breaking in today? A lot of times it was just going to training. I spent some time in California because that's still a big hub for filmmaking. So I would have, that's where I studied Taekwondo with uh, Master Simon Reed. So I would go to Taekwondo. And then right after that, I would go to the open gym at JAM, Joining All Movements. And that was where a lot of other stunt professionals would go and train and track practice. So I would go to the open gym, you meet other people and they see you working, they see you training, they see you flipping and doing your skill sets. Um, that's where I studied Kung Fu. And then on Saturdays, no, I'm sorry, Saturdays, Sundays, I would go to Santa Monica Beach and hang out at the grass and the traveling rings and do more practice, capoeira, whatever there. So it's that kind of being seen and your classes and your training with other people that gives you that exposure. And then other times you just have to go out with some friends and do a practice fight, film it and put it on YouTube, Instagram, and now TikTok. That for me is a kind of mm, iffy method because it all matters. It's out of my hand of who sees it because it's going to be the algorithm on those platforms that get certain videos pushed and shown to other people. So for me personally, it was more about the training, where I was training, always training, always training, always practicing, always making my skill sets better and learning new ones. Perfect. That was great. Um, is there anything else you want to add that we kind of missed about being a stunt person today? No, it's a, I love it. It's the only job I'm willing to wake up at 3 a.m. for. <laughs> and it's what makes me happy. As a kid doing gymnastics, like, what do you do down the line? And this was something it's like, oh, wait, I can use that skill set that I learned over here over here and that's that puts you in your happy place when you're able to do that so whoever is out there wanting to do this job be aware of the risk it's not easy 
But if it's what you want to do, you know what makes you happy or what you go home and complain about. And it's if it's what makes you happy, then go for it, fight for it, and, and keep striving. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach and learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.